Well, it was another interesting night of World Cup football. Four teams sent packing home, or I guess three and one will, will stay to watch the rest of the tournament. But um, and another really interesting night of football. I'm joined to talk about all of it by local regular Pat Braschetto. How are you going, Pat? Uh, the, the sleep deprivation is getting worse and worse by the day, but we wouldn't have it any other way during the World Cup, would we? That's absolutely right. And also joining us, also probably a bit sleep deprived, is a uh, special commentator, special guest, Jason Pine. Piney, great to have you with us. Uh, you've said you've just come from another podcast, so a very busy morning, but how are you? Yeah, great, guys. Yeah, I guess it's slightly easier on our side of the ditch um, and that, you know, rather than a 2am and a 6am, Ours is a 4am and an 8am, so we're getting slightly more sleep. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, the worst thing I think can happen is you get to the end of a World Cup and wish that you'd watched more of it. So, for me, you just got to fully invest, as I know you guys and most of our listeners have been. What's your strategy been? Have you been going to bed super early and getting up in time for 4am or, or are you just sort of getting a nap throughout yeah. the day? What's, what's it looking like? It's, it's actually, as you guys will know, it's easier now, isn't it, that they, they've taken out the the four games, which over here were 11, 2, 5, and 8 or something like that. So you kind of, once you committed to the 11 o'clock game without going to bed, you were basically saying to yourself, look, I'm going to go through the night. And and that's, that's niggly. So I was trying to catch sleep here and there. I must admit, I missed the odd 2 a.m. game. So the second of the games across a, a raft of four, um, but you can always catch up, can't you? But yeah, but now, now that we're just well, simultaneous games now, um, and then when we get into the round of 16 and onwards, I mean, we just, I guess we just do what we have to do, <laughs> but it's a bit more, you know, it, it's a bit more comfortable. You know, you get a few hours before the first of those games. Yeah, I suppose the, the hardest part of it is over for us now, trying to catch four separate games. But um, I, in a way, I do miss that, especially over here, the nine o'clock kickoff was very uh, palatable and, and whatnot. But Anyway, we'll get into our chat about Group A. The first game, no real shock here. It was Netherlands 2, Qatar 0. Qatar go out, Pat, after a really disappointing tournament. It's not really a surprise, but, um, I mean, as, as we reflect on what was a, a bit of a horror World Cup for them, what what do you think about uh, about this one? I'd say that people are, I think the manner of the performances and the manner of defeat are actually quite surprising. Because, obviously, look, Qatar back... It, was a few years ago now, they won the Asian Cup. They shocked mm. all of Asia and all of the world with that. And that kind of made people think, oh, okay, we can take notice of them here. They're clearly um, they're clearly gearing up for this World Cup that they've spent what, 10, 12 years preparing for. So I think a lot of people, whilst probably a lot of people think it was going to be a lot like South Africa in 2010, where they might just not get out of the group because there's a lot of quality teams there. They might, they would have put up a fight, maybe, you know, get a draw or a win potentially. But it was just... It, it's been just a shocker. It's really, it's embarrassing for the prestige of the nation because, you know, th- this was their chance that you know, they've never made a World Cup. The, the rest of the world had never even heard of them before they had this World Cup. So this is their chance to show that Arab football, that Qatari football was serious and they've just completely embarrassed themselves on the on the world stage in all of their games. They created very little. They scored one goal, which ended up being a consolation after they were down 3-0 at the time, I think. And in this game... Again, look, I think the Netherlands is always going to be a bit of a free hit. The Netherlands are a much better side than Qatar. But just again, you know, they had a chance just to go for it. They had nothing to lose and they just, they didn't. They created very little. It was just far too easy. The, the, the first goal for Gakpo, it's, it's a very good finish, but just the defending wasn't really good enough. He's allowed just to kind of dribble through, get space. And the second goal, um, don't defend the cross well. And then De Jong, he's very far behind two defenders and he somehow sneaks through. So it was just... 
it's just been really, really, I guess, disappointing from their point of view. But I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not really sad that Qatar have done bad at all, just given everything surrounding the tournament, everything surrounding the way that they conduct themselves in the football world. I personally can't say I'm too upset that it's gone like this. I think maybe it's a little bit of karma. But other people might think differently. That's just my personal opinion anyway. Yeah, I think it's sort of universally people aren't too disappointed that they'll be exiting the tournament early. Um, Piney, Netherlands have sort of cruised through their group a bit. I mean, seven points from three isn't bad. Um, the group is not... Oh, it's close to probably being the weakest group, I think, because especially with a, a Mane-less Senegal, they've sort of been off the radar a little bit because they haven't played like a really big team. But do you sort of rate them now as a, as a genuine... Uh, as a genuine chance, they're going to play the US in the round of 16. That's confirmed. So, so how do you think they'll go there? Oh, I think they'll, well, they should go in as favourites. The answer to your question is I don't know whether they're any good or not. Because, you know, as you say, they haven't really played anybody yet. They haven't really, you know, been tested as such, or they haven't really run away from any teams. Gakpo, yep. I mean, I, I like him. Um, obviously, can score with either foot or with his head. He's got the perfect hat trick in the first three games. Um, so, you know, they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts. And, and the Dutch have such a proud history, don't they, that they're always going to be driven by, you know, the orange army of, of millions behind them. Just a quick word on Qatar. And I think De Jong's goal summed it up for me in that no other team at this tournament doesn't absolutely throw their body on the line to stop him, as Pat said, getting past a couple of defenders and really tapping in for their second. There's no football in the DNA of Qatari players. And they've, they've had as good a build-up as possible. I mean, millions upon millions of dollars poured in and, uh, and it's come to the worst World Cup campaign by a host in the history of the tournament. Like you guys, I'm not, um, I'm not losing any sleep, <laughs> any more sleep over them not, uh, not continuing. For the Dutch, I remain to be convinced. Yeah, that's it. I, I guess like... Maybe they're good, maybe they're not. We're going to find out a bit more as they progress through the knockouts. And I think, like, yeah, they'll go in favourites against the US. But even that is a bit of like a... They really should be getting past that. I mean, they're ranked eighth in the FIFA rankings. So the other game, um, for me, was a bit of a shock, this result, because I was pretty convinced by what I'd seen from Ecuador so far in this tournament. They go down to Senegal 2-1. And without Mane, Senegal rise through to the round of 16. A real good story. Uh, for them, and they are lined up now with the game against England in the round of 16, which will be very difficult for them. Um, Piney, what did you make of this game? Were you surprised by the result? I liked the game. I enjoyed the game. Uh, good game of football uh, between two sides who probably, you know, saw it as a real chance for them to do something special. Um, I'm kind of glad Senegal won. Um, I, I don't really have anything concrete to back that up, but I was just pleased when they won the game. Um, Ecuador will come again. We know they're a young side um, and, and will, you know, obviously be um, a team that continues, they hope anyway, to, to go from strength to strength. But, yeah, I, I just also quite like the sentiment of it being on the two-year anniversary of the death of one of their great players, um, Papa Bubba Diop, who we remember for, well, I do, you guys won't, from 2002, um, scoring against France. Uh, yeah, I, I just liked it. I like, like that Senegal have gone through. I think, obviously, their next assignment is going to be real tough, but um, yeah, I enjoyed watching the game and, and, and I was, was pleased with the result. I thought they deserved it. Yeah, and Pat, um, with, with you, I guess, did you expect Senegal to get through? Um, I mean, 
they've been decent in their first couple of games. But for me, I just thought without Mana, they were really going to struggle against an opponent like this, especially when I think yeah they needed all three points to go through. Were you, did you did you expect this one to happen? Um, I, th- I think it really could have gone either way, especially when you looked at um Ecuador's performances. Obviously, they were very good against a crap Qatar side, but they did get a point against the Dutch. So it, it was very tight. The two teams were very evenly matched. And look, the Mane factor, obviously, I think a lot of people would have counted out Senegal after the Mane factor and, and the way they lost to the Dutch as well. It was a couple of little brain fades at the end of that game, which were really frustrating for them. But um, I, felt, I thought it was a, a game of two halves, really. The, the Ecuador changed from a back three to a back four, I believe. In the first half, they were pretty pretty awful. I only, I only watched the mini-match in fairness just because of time <laughs> restrictions. But it seemed the first half, Senegal had all of the chances and they got that um, they got that penalty right before halftime. Then um, the second half, Ecuador made a couple of substitutions and they really dominated that second half. They, um, they, they got that goal. And it was just a crazy few minutes where... Ecuador were on the ropes and then they score this goal. Their fans are absolutely delighted because obviously they only need a draw and you see the Senegal fans on the camera. They're on the verge of tears. They're absolutely devastated. Then a minute later, Senegal get a free kick up the other end and their captain, their centre-back captain, Khalidou Koulibaly, with the finish of a strike. It was pretty phenomenal. So it was just a crazy minutes of changing emotions. And I think that might have counted against Ecuador in the end and maybe why they didn't go on to get that second goal that they needed. Because I think just going from the high of getting that goal and thinking, oh, that's it, we've done it now, just then go crashing back down to earth. I think they didn't really reconcile that. They didn't really recover. And I know that um, they switched to a back three right at the end of the game to, you know, get the fullbacks forward to push for the equaliser, but they they couldn't do it. And I agree with Piney. Like I said, I've got, you know, both teams I'm fairly, don't have many feelings either way for. But I think it's just great to see African representation in the knockouts of tournaments. You know, they're an under-resourced region compared to the rest of the world. And they've got some brilliant players. So it's always nice to see at least one African team. Hopefully someone like Morocco can join them in the next round. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is, you know, as much as their next game is going to be very tough, just to see them get there and to see some different nations um, make that stage is always a bit of a good feel story. In Group B, um, it was a really competitive group. All four teams were still a genuine chance to make it. I mean, Wales was going to have to knock off England, but they could all still have mathematically made it. The first one we'll talk about is Iran-USA. 1-0 to the US. They get through to the round of 16 for the first time in 12 years. Um, I guess, Pat, we spoke briefly off air a little bit about Iran came into this game needing a draw, and they sort of played like it. And I guess, and I think if we're talking, we'll get to tonight later, but that's sort of the worry about what Australia might do tonight. And, and I guess for you, I mean, how did you see this one after the US scored? It seemed like it flicked around into panic mode. Well, I wouldn't even say it was panic mode. I think the panic mode only really came the last 15 minutes when, you know, naturally as teams do when they're a goal up in a tight game, you know, the, the US dropped back and then Iran obviously pushed forward with possession. But in a way, you could probably argue there wasn't enough panic or urgency from Iran until it was like 10 minutes to go. They, It was clear their game plan was sit back, hold the draw, because that's all they all they needed but they just they didn't create much and it's not like they've got bad players they've got Med- obviously they're two big ones are Sada Asmun and Mehdi Tarimi who play for big sides in Europe now I know Asmun's had some fitness issues he's struggled this tournament he, I think he missed the first game or was you know been coming off the bench that obviously doesn't help when your one of your best players is um out injured but it was just really weird to see they just didn't really react and I don't know if that's just the players maybe panicking on the big stage it's always hard to say or maybe if just um Carlos Quiros just didn't make the necessary adjustments but the thing is that the US as much as they're not a great attacking side we might touch on that 
in a second. Their midfield and their defense has been very impressive. You know, they they conceded only just a penalty against Wales and they held a very good England attack to a nil-all draw in their game. So it was very clear that they weren't just going to... Iran wouldn't be able just to kind of sit back and just wait for them to break down. They needed to really throw a lot more at it. And I think... Um, and even then, once they did have... You know, once they did start to have a bit more urgency, there wasn't really a plan in attack. It was just more, you know, they tried to send desperate crosses in. There wasn't really proper patterns of play. They seemed to kind of send crosses in, you know, get a play to hope for like a lucky ricochet or bounce or kind of fall over and claim a handball or a penalty. It just didn't really make too much sense. And I think it was just one of those games where you got the feeling that like the 80, 85th minute, there wasn't going to be a goal for Iran. Despite, I think there was actually, there was one occasion where the ball nearly went past the US keeper, Matt Turner, but apart from that, he didn't, didn't really have too much to do. So I think Iran are going to be really disappointed. They're in the box seat. They have chance to make the knockouts for the first time ever. And they, they blew it really. Yeah, they did. And it was disappointing for them because I think, I mean, after their first game, they were probably largely written off, but then they came back very strong against Wales. Um, on the US side of things, Christian Pulisic, after he scored that goal, was taken to hospital with an injury after that collision. I mean, that could really affect them. I don't know about the sort of depth they have to cover that position, but he's been their star in all of the games. A game against the Netherlands for them next. If no, if there's no Pulisic, um, Piney, do you think there's still any chance? Well, I mean, they're far less of a chance, aren't they? As you say, he's been their man. And you look at this game, Iran-USA, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, but, you know, often it just takes a, a moment of quality from a quality player. And, um, you know, 1-0 to the USA with Pulisic scoring. If you didn't knew nothing about the game, you'd say, well, of course, of course that was going to happen. That's how this game was going to be decided. If they are to be without him against uh, against the Dutch, rather, they, they will really, I think, as Pat said, find it difficult to find the goals. Um, yeah, defensively, excellent. Uh, just the one goal I can then conceded in poor play, as you say. So um, it's a, it's going to be difficult for them. Um, obviously, I was a bit like you, Pat. I was a bit disappointed with, with Iran. I thought they might go for it a bit more. Um, it just, yeah, it's almost like they, they almost forgot that there were only 90 minutes, or in this case, 99 or whatever it was on the game, and just didn't really chase it until right at the end and had a couple of desperate, you know, shouts for penalties turned down and that sort of thing. But, yeah. I think the United States are a team that you before the tournament you say yeah they they'll, they'll, they're a chance of making the making the round of sixteen. You never expect them to go beyond that, and I don't think they will. Yeah, fair call. I think Netherlands could be a bridge too far for them to cross, especially if they're without Pulisic. The other game was England three Wales nil. Sort of for me, headlined by a quality free kick for Rashford. The game was pretty tight in that first half, and then they just blew them open. In the space of 20 minutes, they they knocked Wales out and sent them home. Um, this was one where I guess it almost only felt like it was going to be a close game because the two of them, you know, in their history together, it's sort of like when there's a Melbourne derby and one's at the top, one's at the bottom. You felt like this could be still a close game, but in the end, you know, football wasn't played with just spirit. You know, England is such a quality side and they go through on top after a really impressive campaign. Um, and, uh, and yeah, a pretty easy match I would have thought against Senegal compared to what they could have gotten um Piney how impressed were you with England in this one I was impressed um Wales's plan was obvious wasn't it we'll sit we'll soak it up we'll try and get to 75 minutes at nil all and then we might throw the kitchen sink at it and see if we can find a goal somewhere um England going bang bang with Rashford and then Foden in the space of what you know 90 seconds 
completely took that away from Wales. I, I think we, I feel, I find that we have to reassess what, what we think about England after every game. <laughs> after the Iran game, I thought, oh, here's a team, you know, here's a team that can go deep. Then I watched them against the USA and they created next to nothing. And here they were this morning with a couple of changes with Foden coming in, Rashford, obviously, as well. And, you know, little tweaks as well with Henderson and, and others, um, you know, featuring. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about England um, because, you know, they might just as well turn around in their round of 16 match and um, and sort of squeak squeak home and, and flatter to deceive a little bit on the on the basis of the way they played, you know, for the for the first twenty minutes of the second half this morning. You know, you think, wow, great team. They're going to go. They're going to go deep. Then you remember that it's England. Uh, so they're, uh, they're I mean, they're a great side to watch for the neutral because you don't have any emotional investment and you just watch this team. Like they're at Dream World on the roller coaster. You just don't know where they're going to end up. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, they have been sort of in the mix for so long, but I feel like with the they've got so much young talent and so much aging, sort of, you know, like they're they're, they're getting towards the prime of their careers. Pat, do you think that this is the, really the time where England, if, you know, looking back, they're going to say like we let this one slip? You know, I know Brazil gets talked about a lot, but I think past that. This England team is probably as good as it gets at the moment. Uh, potentially, but they've got so many young players there. Like, what, Bellingham's 19, 20. Saka's bloody my age, which is scary to consider. They've got, <laughs> the team is so young. If, if they're kind of more at the if, say, if they're more of the age of, you know, kind of your Hendersons and Canes and things like that, then you'd be thinking, yes, okay, this is their last chance. But the fact is, they've got so much young talent, especially in the midfield and up front, that you think, there's still going to be time. There's still going to be probably the next two, mm. three World Cups or, you know, major tournaments. So they are going to be right up there. Now, look, probably your biggest concern, and obviously this ties into their form earlier in the year in the Nations League, which they were relegated from, is you've got concerns over the manager, Gareth Southgate. You know, he's been viewed the the kind of gloss and glory of the, you know, the, the failed Euro 2020 campaign where they still, you know, they united the country, which is very rare for the England football team. Usually there's a lot of... It's it's very rare to see the media united, but you know, this time last year, you know, that everyone got behind them, and it's obviously it's not completely terrible, but there's obviously been a lot of frustration with Southgate. You know, they've been a bit out of form. The, the USA game didn't help, where they were probably outplayed and potentially lucky to get a point in that one. And, and even in the first half, even though they had all of the ball, they had that early chance through Rashford, they weren't creating too much. The final ball, the killer pass wasn't there. And there was a lot of frustration on Twitter at halftime. But look, to Southgate's credit, he, he swapped Foden and Rashford on the flanks and it worked for both of them. Rashford got those two goals, Foden got the goal. So at least it's probably encouraging from an England point of view to see that Southgate was able to make that tactical change. Maybe in certain games he hasn't been able to in the past. You know, the Euros final probably what you look at where he didn't make the right change and he allowed Italy to get back into the game. But yeah, look, I think they'll want to, they'll want to win considering they've got a, especially they've got a soft draw, arguably a softer draw to get to those um, quarterfinals. I think once they get to the quarterfinals could get tough. They run into the likes of maybe um, France, but look, I think England, look, they're always going to be backed, but I think Piney made the point is you back them, but then they have an England model or they just have a half where they <laughs> score three own goals or decide to kick someone in the face or something. So that's why they're just so hard to predict in that way. And um, just on Wales briefly, I've been they have been disappointing. I think it's pretty clear that the quality 
just isn't there. And I kind of get the feeling that this World Cup maybe came four years too late for them. Because obviously back in Euro 2016, you look at that team that made the semi-finals and performed so well. And even you know, back then, Aaron Ramsey, Gareth Bale, you know, their big players were performing at some of the biggest clubs in the world. And then you look at the team now, obviously there's a lot of spirit that got them there. They did great. You know, it was, it was an amazing run. And I think they were everyone's kind of neutral favourites. Everyone wanted to see them do well. But um. I just think it came. It's just come too late for them. I think you know. You look at Bailey; he's barely playing the MLS. Aaron Ramsey was at Rangers last year. I'll be completely honest; I don't know where he is. He's at, at Nice at the moment. <laughs> he's at Nice, right? Okay, but, yeah. but it's pretty clear that he's not the player that he was. And I, I just feel like this tournament came a few years too late for Wales. Some of their better players, you know, aren't at their peak anymore. Some of their and you know, some have also retired. So I think, yeah, you know, they had good moments. They had, you know, they got their first goal. That goal against um. The USA was a great moment for their fans, but it's just, it, it, it's tough for them. They waited 64 years and to go out in a whimper like that, it's going to it's gonna sting for those Welsh fans because you don't know, oh, I guess with 48 teams, they'll back themselves to get to 2026. But it just, it just feels like, just, I can't really imagine the deflation. It must be pretty tough going from such a high and then to go out so meekly. It's, it's going to sting for a while, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we've seen a few countries maybe getting to the end with a group. Like I think we were talking about last week a little bit, Belgium, Croatia, these teams are sort mm-hmm. of a lot of that bulk that got them there and that have been around those competitions the last couple of years are starting to come to the tail end of their careers. And for Gareth Bale and for Ramsey, it probably is their last World Cup. I mean, at 33 and 31, I wouldn't have thought they'll be well, around this in is four probably, years This is probably Bale's just last football thing ever because a lot of people think he's just going <laughs> to bugger off and retire to the golf course for the next 25 years. So obviously the MLS season's done. So it's not like he's got club football to go back to. So I think a lot mm. of people think that he might just call it quits after this. So it, it's mm, a sad way. If, if it is Bale's going to end his career like that, it is going to be, it's, it's a shame that it's ended like that. Look, he got a goal, a penalty, but he, he didn't really have any other, you know, glorious moments that we used to seeing for all of his career. Yeah, but I, I guess he's had a very decorated career and, and maybe this is the point where he goes, this is enough. Um, but we'll move on to tonight's football, which I think is probably the main reason that most people have clicked onto the podcast to discuss <laughs> the games that are going to unfold tonight. It's as big as it can get for Australian football. So um, we'll get into the, the the game on everyone's lips. Tunisia, France is going to be a, a very interesting clash. And I think um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a dead rubber, but it's um, this one, France, you guys would expect... Um, to win, we're not going to harp on it for too long, but but yeah, I think both of you would be backing France to get the three points in this one, or is there that little bit of worry that if Australia gets a draw and does so well that Tunisia could just knock France off in in some ridiculous fashion? It would be it would be peak Australian football, wouldn't it? Just you know, a bit of like an Iran '97 mode would be. We we got the result that we needed, and then Tunisia. I don't know that they do a complete 180 from the game against us on Saturday and knock off France, but um. I can't see it. Look, you'd say France are going to rest a lot of their players. Obviously, that why, why wouldn't you? Um, but look, I was really disappointed with... I know I discussed this when I was on the pod on Sunday, but I was really disappointed with Tunisia and their performance against us. They were really... A, a, bit, a bit like Iran. They were just really flat and just kind of like without a plan until the last 15, 20 minutes of the match. And it was after, you know, they put in a strong performance against Denmark. I really could have won that game, but they really let themselves down. They put themselves under a lot of pressure and I, I don't think they'll be able to, um, I don't think they'll be able to do it. To be honest, look, France, as much as their defence is a little bit of suspect in their defence, that attack, even if they rest Mbappe or Giroud or Griezmann, which I think they'll rest some of them, that French attack is just purring 
at the moment. I just I don't think um I don't think Tunisia has what it takes to you know hold them out for no goals or one goal and then they also score another go. So look, we obviously you can't count them out, and there'll still be a few nerves, especially if that game's you know at a draw towards the end because World Cups produce crazy things. But you'd back France to at least get a point in that last game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Piney, you'd probably be the same way inclined. Yeah, can't see. Can't see anything other than a French win here. They've, they've, you know, we talked about the Dutch and England, you know, and other teams, you know, who came in highly rated, not really, you know, finding the consistency. And yes, France have, you know, they, they've only had two games, but yeah, I can't see anything other than a French win here. Um, and, a, and a clear passage through it. They're already through the already through to the round of 16, aren't they? So an even clearer passage through. I just wonder if anybody in Australia or New Zealand will be watching this game, apart from on a second screen, <laughs> off to one side, just just to keep, or even just a live score tick or something, because there is no way anybody in this part of the world is watching anything other than the other game. I'll, I'll probably have it on a split screen up until France score a goal or two, and then I can just, you know, you can just sort of just forget about it, because I'll still be those early nerves, I think, that... You know, yeah. As Australian fans, we're just never guaranteed anything. And um, the other, obviously, though, the centerpiece match, Australia and Denmark, it's it's going to be so huge. And we know that we're going in expecting or, you know, looking for a point. And um, I guess, Pat, how do you think Australia is going to play this one out? And, and how do you want them to play it out? That is a really interesting question. And to tell you the truth, you've either got go for it, try to get that extra goal for insurance then. So you know, obviously we only need we only need the point if Tunisia don't win. But you want to kind of go for that first goal to set you up in the lead, which guarantees that um no matter what, or you go for the opposite approach, which is sit back and hope for the best. Now, what's interesting is we have a bit of previous with this, obviously not with the Socceroos, but if you look at the um the Oliroos back in the Olympics last year, they were in a similar situation where they only needed a draw against Egypt, which many in that group were considered the weakest side of the group. And obviously Arnold's the coach, and there's quite a few players who are in the squad, who are in the squad, the Olympics, who are in our squad now. And, well, that game was pretty bloody awful. I mean, um, Australia, they opted for the sitting back approach. They, I think they changed their shape. They opted to sit back, soak up the pressure, and just didn't work at all. Egypt then got the goal that they needed, and Australia never really recovered so there's a bit of a it's either a bit of a warning or maybe it was good that it happened because obviously Arnold was the coach of that team so maybe Arnold has learnt a fair bit from that experience um but you really can't pick how we're um going to set up and it is it is hard like that I think you, you, the ideal is to maybe find a bit of the two so you try to be a little bit um proactive I don't think he's going to change much of the team because why would you? And I mean, probably the performances mm. of the likes of Aiden Trostich, who, you know, missed the first game for injury and he wasn't really great off the bench. I'm not really sure. This might not even be the game for him. I think Arnold, it's pretty clear he's very loyal to his favourites and to his team. And I think, uh, especially after the the positive vibes and the momentum, he probably wants to keep that going into um, tomorrow morning's game. But it's it's tough. And I think we've got to acknowledge that we're not favourites. Like, we may be second in the group. We may need, technically speaking, <laughs> less. You know, Denmark need to win, whereas we probably well, technically I need the draw, but we've got, got to acknowledge Denmark are a much better side than us. And there's no, no, there's no shame in that. And we've got to admit, even though we won against Tunisia, it wasn't a fantastic, it wasn't the greatest performance. And we probably can't afford to perform like that again against a Denmark side or better than Tunisia. So look, it's going to be, I, I'm apprehensive as to how we're going to set up. And that's not necessarily because it's Arnold's fault. It's just, it's a very awkward position to be in. I think you look at Ecuador, you know, the Ecuador game this morning, they struggled with exactly that. And so did 
Iran. So it's dangerous. And like I said, I'm I'm inclined to think that Arnold will go for the more sitting back option, which does worry me a bit. But I guess that's just human nature, really, as you defend what you've got. I'm not sure what um, Piney thinks. A bit more of a neutral view. I'm not sure. What do you think, Piney? Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is that over here, we are completely jealous of the experience that the Socceroos have given the Australian footballing public. You know, seeing the the scenes in Federation Square and other places of just, I mean, it's just, it's like we're on the outside of this amazing party with our faces pressed up against the window, you know, <laughs> wishing we were there. Um, you know, and so all we can ask for is reflected glory on this game. When there's a when there's two teams and one has to win and one knows that a draw is enough, I always reckon you go with the team who has to win. And because of the way that they'll approach the game, I think you're right, Pat. You know, what does Arnie do? What's is he a bit betwixt and between? Does he go out and think, okay, if we get an early goal, then we're really in the box seat here because they have to get two. But if you sit and sit, and then you hit on the break, and then you think, okay, well, shivers, what we, now we have to get back into this game. Denmark will only know one way. They have to win the game. So they're not. there's no split tactics for them. Arnie's got two possibilities. Mm. That's not to say that Australia can't, can't do what is required. You know, I watched that, um, that Tunisia game with, you know, I, I, felt, I felt proud to be from this part of the world watching Australia and, like I say, seeing, I mean, who couldn't be touched by what we saw from Mitch Duke and his son Jackson in the stands and all that and, and Harry Suter's tackle and, and, and Leckie and McLaren almost combining for a goal, you know, makes you proud to be part of the A-Liga. Am I allowed to say that? Not sure. Um, <laughs> but, but look, to bring it all back, um, I, I just, I just, you know, it'll be a very challenging tactical assignment for Arnie and for the Socceroos, given the fact that there's a couple of different options that they could take and that Denmark will just be going for it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, and I guess yeah, you can't be the sitting duck. That's if you know if you're sitting back, you're almost waiting for Denmark to score, and they're gonna be going for it. I guess I think we've played our best football at this World Cup when we have been going for it. And I mean, you know, that early start against France was the best we've probably seen Australia play, and then got sort of toppled and went into our shells, and that's when everything went a bit pear shaped. So I hope that they do realize that. They've got what it takes, although, yeah, not as technically skilled and, you know, not, not as good, but they've got what it takes to match some of these sides when they're, when they're going for it. Maybe not for the full 90, but maybe they don't need to. If we can score early, it is a case of, I, I, I don't know, I, I, think, I think they just need to approach it with, um, with the right mindset. Don't switch to the five back this game, please, Arnie. Just keep going with what we've got because <laughs> we've been pretty competitive in both games. Yeah, we let it slip against France, but I think, um, you know, Denmark... Denmark, if, if they didn't know who they who the Aussies were before, they will now. Like we've definitely put the world on notice a little bit with the first two performances, and um, I think they're a chance. But I think as as well, I know that Denmark have got the ability to break our hearts, and it's going to be a long day of just sitting and waiting for this game, really. Um, but uh, yeah, look, we'll move on to Group C, and uh, this is a six a.m. game. Equally as interesting, this group. I think it's set up very similarly to uh, Group B this morning with England and the US because Mexico in fourth can still make it, um, but it's pretty unlikely. And then all the other three are genuine real chances to top this group. We're going to get into Poland-Argentina first, which probably has the most implications on Australia's round of 16 if we are to make it. Pat, Poland and Argentina, who do you see getting getting through this one? 
Uh, look, I back Argentina. Look, obviously, it's taken them a little while to get going. You know, obviously, we've discussed the Saudi Arabia game ad nauseum, all football fans have. But even the uh, Mexico game in the first half, they struggled. They really struggled to get going and attack. And, and it wasn't a great Mexico side either. It should be said. But I think the second half, you know, Messi scores that. Messi just does messy things, and it's just a joy to watch that. And then, you know, Enzo Fernandez scores that wonderful goal as well. So I think that second half, you saw them kind of start to click into rhythm a bit. You know, they're attacking flair. They, they they took their chances, and they were a lot more dominant on the ball than they could have had more goals. So, look, they, they still haven't put a polished performance. You know, it wasn't a fully polished performance, but that win will give them a lot of um, confidence going to this one. It does ease the pressure. And, look, I'd, I'd back them to still do the job, I believe. Do they need a draw or is it a do they need to win or is it just a draw will that be enough so to top the group they're going to need to win the game and then if they get a draw um they'll be on four points poland will be on five and then saudi's on three so if saudi wins and argentina draw they will get knocked out so they're still probably so they they still really do need a win because i think saudi probably will get that win against mexico which we'll touch on um soon but i mean it's everyone's been talking about argentina as a potential favorite to win this world cup it's messi's last world cup and yeah, they're this you know sitting standing at the edge of the coalface coming into this game against probably the second best team in the group. I know Saudi beat them, but I would have thought Poland are probably second strongest. Piney, do you think that Argentina and, and Messi will rise to the occasion here, or, or could this be a nightmare um, for Argentina and really for everyone? Because I think everyone wants to see Messi have that fairy tale finish. I think they'll go through, but I, I actually think both of these games might be draws. Um, and so if that happens, then by my calculations, um, Poland top the group, Argentina go through second on goal diff from Saudi Arabia if both games are drawn. Mm. And that would feed Argentina into a round of 16 match against France. So that um, would be a very tasty <laughs> round of 16 encounter. Um, yeah, I mean, Argentina are Messi and Messi is Argentina, you know, and they were, I think the commentator said the other day, they were staring into the abyss and he pulled them back from it. Um and the second goal was nice too. But um, yeah, Poland haven't conceded, I don't think. I think they've had two clean sheets um, in their two games. Um, not too many other teams in the tournament can say that. I think Morocco's the only other one. So, um, you know, they won't be easy to break down. At the other end, they've got their own talisman who's finally found a way to score a World Cup and uh, Robert Lewandowski, um, you know, albeit given to him basically uh, by some lacklustre defending. But yeah, I think Argentina go through but I'm not entirely sure they beat Poland. I think this game might be a draw. And then, as you say, they'll be nervously watching what's happening over in the other game. Mexico, uh, they're a funny old team, eh? Like, they, they always, they're a bit like Japan. They always make it to the World Cup, and they always make the round of 16, and then they pack their bags. You know, that, that's it. They, they never seem to go any further than that. Um, but I, I just, yeah. I, I, I've got Argentina and Poland going through. Um but I think a lot of water has to flow under the bridge before that happens. All four teams, as you say, still with a chance. So, so fascinating couple of games. And Pat, that Mexico-Saudi game, uh, I guess the world was taken by storm in the first round when Saudi Arabia beat Argentina and then it was almost a crash back to reality when they played Poland. They've got such a great manager, like someone that you just feel you'd run through a brick wall for. Do you think that they've got enough to get over the line against Mexico? A win will guarantee them a spot and could see them top the group. Do you think that, they've, that they'll do it tonight? I personally think they will because you look at that Poland game. They were actually dominant throughout that game. They missed a penalty and they created so many chances. And look, they, well, like I said, I think Zealand two scored a good goal first half. Then look, a defensive mistake. That's a bloody coach killer for the second half. But I think 
they were still good in that game, despite the 2-0 scoreline. So I, I backed them to win, especially against the Mexico side, of just being so poor and so disappointing. Um, Look, we know that um, Raul Jimenez, their main striker, they needed him to be fit and firing, and unfortunately he's not. He's undergoing a goal drought. He's clearly not fit, and that's just put so much pressure on um Herving Lozano to do the attacking work, and it just hasn't worked. And you kind of feel like this Mexico team is maybe a, a bit of it at the end as well. They've got a lot of veteran players. Mm. I think maybe it's just one World Cup too far them. So, so I, I back Saudi Arabia to um do the job. You know, they're backed by fanatical fans. They've got it, it's it's basically a home World Cup for them, really. And you know, you mentioned Herve Renard, like <laughs> you know, his um his speeches have gone his dressing room speeches have gone viral. And I mean it must be tough for the players. They get shouted at in English and then they have an interpreter shouting at them in their own <laughs> language. So it must be <laughs> So if you make a mistake, you must feel really bloody bad about it. Um <laughs> But look, I no, I to answer your question, I back Saudi Arabia to get the win. Um, I just think they're a better side than Mexico at the moment. They've got all the momentum. They're going to have the backing of the fans, and I think it'll be a great story. I think it's great for Asian football. I think I know our regular panelist friend Tom Williams has been very vocal in um, you know, the Asian teams needing more respect, and I think Saudi Arabia have been the team so far that has um mostly because of their win against Argentina, but more the manner that they've played. You know, it's fearless, and it's clear that there's a tactical plan. It's not just putting men behind the ball and nicking a goal. Like, they, their midfield and their defence is excellent. So I think it, sh- it shows, and especially a country like Saudi Arabia, of all the Asian countries, you know, not a lot of, no one knows probably two or three of the teams there. So I think it's 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 a great story. Even if they don't make it, I think it's a great story. But I, I back them to get the win they need. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think I, I almost want them to win more than I believe that they will. But I... Th- I don't know. Yeah, Mexico have been very um, disappointing so far in this tournament. So it's still a case of luck. We've only seen two games out of these teams. And so what we thought we knew is, and versus what we've seen, it's still so hard to judge. But um, before I let you guys go, I reckon we'll just do our score predictions for the the big Aussie game tonight. We'll start with you, Pat. How do you think that one's going to go? Oh, no. Put you on the spot. Is, is it what I want to happen or what I think will happen? It's what you think will happen. Be the villain. Uh, go on. Okay. <laughs> uh, what I think will happen, please don't shoot me 2-0 Denmark. I think okay. I think um, Piney makes a really good point, and I completely agree that, and you know the games this morning have shown this, that the teams that know exactly what they need to do, I think it's just going to benefit them. Yeah, I just, you know, I think it would be, be a courageous defeat. It would be heroic failure. <laughs> but, you know, head speaking, yeah, I, I, I just think Denmark are too good, unfortunately. Piney? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I am neutral here. You know, I don't have any skin in this game. Um, but I kind of think Australia can do it, you know. I, I, I'm, I looked at that Tunisia game and the heart of that team and, and you, know, you guys have seen as much social media and, and all the content coming out of that camp as I have and they seem like a bunch of guys who will just do whatever is required for one another, um, whether they're starting, whether they're on the bench, whether they're in any way associated with the team. Um of course, the head says Denmark. You know, you look at the world rankings and for what they're worth, and you say, okay, well, clearly Denmark are a better team. I think it'll be a one-all draw, and I think Australia go through. <laughs> I love that news, and didn't think that it would be that a non-Australian to actually give us a bit of a chance. Pat, you're a, a trader, but um, <laughs> sorry, but I just think just chucked you out of the bus there, mate. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all. Forgive you, buddy. I was going to go with one all as well. And I guess last time we played them was one all and the squads are very different. I think it's um, the only players that are starting in this one that 
or what we assume will start, that started back then. Matt Ryan, Aziz Beige, Aaron Moy, Matt Leckie. So a lot of changes, but, and I don't know what Denmark's team looked like, but that was enough for me to go, all right, if we could draw back then, we can draw now. And I don't really want to think about it anymore until 2 a.m. when, um, yeah, it's, it's 14 hours away, I think, or 16 hours away. It's going to be a long day of just Will you, will you be in Fred Square that. again? I'm not sure. So I, I loved it the other night, but the thing is, Wednesday nights for me, I, I play indoor basketball and that goes to about 10 o'clock, I think. And then it's like, do I sleep before the game or do I just stay up? No. I, if, if, I, if I'm up at one o'clock and feeling ready to, to make the drive in, I will be there, but I might end up watching it on the couch. I don't know. Mate, just go to uh, Melbourne. I know in Sydney, they've, um, they're keeping the pubs open until five in the morning. They're doing a similar thing in Melbourne. So you can just go to a I pub. Think the, I think drink. we're not like Sydney. The pubs are always open until that time anyway. Like it doesn't, <laughs> we don't have a locked uh, curfew here. So um, oh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I, I think I'll, I'll do something for it at the very least. But yeah, I, I think Fed Square won't be as packed, but I think the atmosphere will still be crazy and it'll be all like the real, you know, dedicated fans going there at 2 a.m. So um, I think it's one of those things, if I don't go and we get a result, I'm going to regret it so much, but I'm still trying to convince myself to get up and catch a train or drive in at that sort of time. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, thank you guys so much for joining us, Piney. I know you're probably so busy and so tired. So I really appreciate you coming on and um, Pat, sit in the corner and think about what you've said about Australia and we'll, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, don't worry. Um, if, if we do get the result, I'll be the first one um, making my own little shrine to Harry Sutar or Cummings <laughs> or Bayich or Karadzic mm. or whoever does the thing that gets us the result we need. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say from our side, from our side of the ditch, look, I, I mean, I, everybody over here, um, you know, I, I can almost say without exception, I'm sure there's the odd little mean-spirited person who just can't let the big brother, little brother thing go, but 99% of people on this side of the ditch are just, uh, you know, are, are hoping that it's another wonderful night for you all. A uh, mate of mine runs, I think it's called Transport Bar in Fed Square. Um, I'm not sure if you're oh, yeah. familiar with it. Yeah, one of my best mates uh, runs that bar, so he's in for a busy night, no doubt. I love that. And, um, if I do run by, I'm going to tell him that I know you and hopefully... That's yeah. enough for a free pint, but we'll see. Well, look, yeah, he's well. To be fair to him, he doesn't doesn't add out too many free pints. He's been quite successful. So, um, <laughs> but maybe if it's a famous Australian sporting night, he might uh, he might loosen the purse strings. But now, from us over here, all the best. We can't wait to watch it, and uh, I hope that um, hope that Australia march on into the round of sixteen. Thank you very much. Love to hear it. Tomorrow is going to be an even bigger episode, especially if it is a positive result for Australia. Tom Williams will be joining us from Qatar, as well as Tony Wilson. So it's uh, going to be a huge episode. But uh, yeah, thank you guys again. Enjoy the football tonight. Try and maybe get some sleep before the games. We're probably going to need it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all tomorrow.